All right, another great open from Mario Ruiz. Laker fans, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Lakers talk tonight, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., so we'll do an hour talking Los Angeles Lakers basketball, trying to figure out where this team is going. Obviously, a lot of work to do for the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Grammy trip is over, and where do the Lakers, as the dust kind of settles here, um, I want to spend some time recapping the road trip. I want to talk about the concerns with LeBron James missing the last three games uh, I thought Russ's game from Friday night was very interesting. His individual performance without LeBron, without Anthony Davis. And then we'll also uh, look at some of the trade deadline stuff. Mike Bresnahan of Spectrum Sportsnet, he's going to join the show. So we got a lot to get into. So thank you for being a part of the show. Let's start uh, Let's start with the, the, the Grammy trip. Lakers 2-4 and four on this Grammy trip. Um, you know, specifically, they... they Beat the Orlando Magic, lost to Miami, beat Brooklyn, and then they lose to the Sixers, um, the Hornets, and the Atlanta Hawks yesterday. Um, this is, you know, it, it's you look at the Lakers' record, you look at where they are in the standings, there's a lot of concern, and there should be. Lakers are 24-27, and 27, so they're three games below 500. We're only seven games away from the All-Star break. Um, you know, before you know it, the month of February is going to be done. And I thought the Grammy trip was a perfect, perfect example of the Lakers all season. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, you know, you beat the Orlando Magic. No big surprise or shock there. Orlando's got the worst record in the NBA. Uh, they got 11 wins on the year. I think at the time the Lakers played them, I think they were the only team that didn't have double-digit wins. So no surprise or shock there. And then we start kind of hearing rumors and conversation. Hey, AD's going to be coming back soon. AD's going to come back soon. But the Lakers still have to go to Miami and play a, a tough Heat team. Now, the Heat didn't have Kyle uh, Lowry, Lowry. They didn't have Tyler Hero. So they're missing some key pieces. Lakers go down big. No surprise, no shock. This is how the Lakers played all year. And then Lakers come back. They make it a game. And they lose. But you didn't feel that bad about the loss. You're like, all right, you know what? Miami is one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. It's respectable. Then the Brooklyn Nets come along. Anthony Davis is back. You start getting excited about the Lakers again. There's that blind faith, the hope of, well, can Anthony Davis come back, save the season? Maybe that's a little too dramatic, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Can he come back and be a incredibly impact player, one of the great players in the league, and then the Lakers can kind of steer this thing back on the road? He comes back. They dominate the Brooklyn Nets. No Kyrie, no KD. I kept mentioning that. I wouldn't get too excited about it, but you know what? Lakers have been under unfortunate circumstances all season long. Go get the W, be happy with it, and move on. And the Lakers did that. And then we, you know, before the Lakers are going to go, so they're two and one to start this six-game road trip. And then before the Lakers are going to go up against the Philadelphia 76ers, there's some chatter, there's some conversation that uh, LeBron is questionable to play in the game, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm going to get into that a little bit further. Um, how much concern I have on that. But before you know it, just when you start getting excited about the Lakers, bam, LeBron James is gone. You lose to the Philadelphia 76ers by 18 points. You can point out, you can say, look, AD outplayed Joel Embiid, which is fair. By the way, he did outplay uh, Joel Embiid. Um, That he had a great individual performance. Westbrook didn't have a bad game either. But the reality is you can outplay another team by an individual performance. AD can outperform Joel Embiid. Did you win the game or not? And I think at this point of the season, that's the only thing really Laker fans are paying attention to. It's the only thing I'm paying attention to. I think, yes, there's certain storylines that come within each game, 
But the answer is no. They couldn't beat the Sixers. They lose by 18. Okay, well, now you're 2-2. Two two. Is LeBron going to come back in the next game? LeBron doesn't play. Anthony Davis doesn't play. Malik Monk doesn't play. Again, Lakers fight against the Charlotte Hornets. A lot of these guys that you weren't uh, you know, expecting to play good games. Uh, Russell Westbrook arguably has his best game as a Laker, but you still lose the game. And I thought some dicey decisions there towards the end. Lakers down two. Russ takes a three. Why are we doing that? And then yesterday against the Atlanta Hawks, um, again, that's three straight games LeBron doesn't play in, but you still got Russ. You still got Anthony Davis. Malik Monk puts up over 30 points. And in the fourth quarter of that game against the Atlanta Hawks, you actually have a 10-point lead against a Sixers team that's playing good basketball. They're, they're starting to get healthy. They had won six games in a row. But you're up 10 going into the fourth quarter. So the way I'm envisioning this as I'm doing the, you know, listening to the broadcast, listening to John and Michael, I'm like, what a great Sunday. This is going to be, Lakers are going to beat the Hawks. You'll be respectable to come back 3-3 three and three on that road trip. Uh, instead, the uh, the opposite happens. They collapse in the fourth, give up 38 points. They're 2-4 and four on this road trip. And now they're sitting where they're sitting, which is uh, 24 and 27, ninth place in the Western Conference. And when I say that the road trip is a perfect example of the Lakers season so far, what I'm referring to, a little bit of ups, a lot of downs, players in the lineup, players out of the lineup, chance to win the game, poor decisions, individual performances. This is how it's gone all year, so I don't know why I keep uh, expecting something different. Nothing different happened in this road trip. And, uh, you know, obviously a, a frustrating position for the Lakers to be in. And I, the way I kind of put the the entire trip together, obviously it was unsuncessful. I mean, people can sit back here and try sugarcoat it and say, well, you know, they played hard against Charlotte without a couple of their stars. Um, they had a chance against Atlanta without LeBron James. You, you're still stacking up L's. And when you don't have much of a margin for error like the Lakers do, they have no margin for error. Um you know, Laker fans, do you know right now they are five games out of the loss column to get out of the playing tournament? And they're also five games out to be where the San Antonio Spurs are, which they're not even in the playing tournament. So Lakers are kind of smack right in the middle of lose a couple more games in this seven-game stretch that they have before the All-Star break. You could be closer to being out of the playoffs than you could of being in one of those six spots or whatever the case is. And I, I think that ship has sailed about being out of the playing tournament. Um, that's why each one of these games, the game against the Hawks yesterday was so frustrating um, because each one of these games that the Lakers, you know, you, you, you kind of let go of the rope or that game against Charlotte there. I wasn't expecting them to beat the Hornets. I really wasn't. I mean, there's no, there's no shock to that. You don't have LeBron. You don't have Anthony Davis. You don't have Malik Monk. But you had a chance to win. And a decision at the end of the game, do you go for three and go for the win, or do you go for two and try to send the game to overtime? I know those all don't sound like that big of a deal, but they are when you're looking at the, looking at the standings. They are when you could potentially be in a playing tournament where if you're in that ninth seed, you got to win two games in a row just to make the playoffs. So the road trip, the Grammy trip, two and four, is that not a perfect uh, – it's a perfect example of how the season has gone for the Lakers uh, so far. Um, quick shout-out here, Favelline Instant Oil Change, one of our partners on Lakers Talk. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. We appreciate their partnership on the show. Um, I, I want to 
just kind of key in and focus real quick on the concern with LeBron James. Look, Laker fans, I, I don't have to sit here and explain to everybody how important LeBron James is to the Lakers. We all know that. Um, he didn't make the trip to Atlanta. So Saturday he ended up flying back to Los Angeles. He's getting treatment on that knee. Um, he missed, the obviously, the last three games of the road trip for the Lakers. And an MRI revealed there's general swelling. That's what Coach Vogel uh, was talking about yesterday. Uh, listen, I, I wouldn't think too much of it uh, if it was another player and you just need to get some rest. And um, there's such a different scenario with LeBron. You know, the conversation is so much different with LeBron James on this team. He's 37 years old, right? 19 years in the league. And oh, by the way, he's having as good of a season as anybody in the NBA. I mean, he had a stretch so far this year where he scored 25 points um, in more than 18 straight games. And this is, you know, obviously the Lakers just getting Anthony Davis back and LeBron in his 19th season in the NBA averaging 29 points a game, 36 minutes per uh, per game, which ranks fourth, by the way. <clears throat> players in the NBA just kind of gives an idea of how much the workload that he's putting up for the Lakers on a night-in, night-out basis. I, I was, last week I was doing, uh, every once in a while I'll do Spectrum. Spectrum, Laker Channel, obviously, they'll have these shows on off games. And the conversation came up of, is, do you still think, you know, do you worry about LeBron's workload and this was before the injury. This was actually before the Sixers game. So before he had missed any game, do you worry about the workload? And one of the things I kept emphasizing, it's one thing if LeBron was doing what he was doing and it was a luxury. The problem is it's a necessity. Everything LeBron has done this season, um, there, you know, if LeBron isn't having the season that he's having, Lakers are probably seven, eight games below 500. And he's obviously been such a key piece to this team of course, that's of unbelievable concern for the Lakers because of the workload that he's put in so far this year. And, and here's the reality. You you know, you, you cannot depend on any of these other players. You can't depend on Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to go win you five or six games, five of six games, three or four in a row. You just can't depend on that. So, you know, the idea and the concept that we had before the season started that, hey, if LeBron needs to take a couple days off, if he's not 100% healthy, if you want to rest him on back-to-backs and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are going to keep this engine moving, we've seen enough of it already this year to know that that's not going to be the case. Last night, yesterday, it was a day game, whatever the case is, tip-off was at 10 a.m. Yesterday was a perfect example of Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook both getting an opportunity and a chance to play a game Close out the road trip. You're up 10 going into the fourth quarter against the Atlanta Hawks. Couldn't close out the game. They couldn't. And those two all-stars should be enough to at least have you, I think the Lakers so far this year, they're 5-10 and 10 in games where LeBron James does not play. Um, you know, they're already three games below 500. That that was an opportunity for a guy like Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. Say, okay, hey, we got it. We're going to keep this thing going. That has not been the case. So a new wrinkle for the Lakers outside of their record, outside of where they're sitting in the standings, outside of um, all the ups and downs this year. LeBron's missed three games in a row, and uh, you know who knows if this is going to be a lingering issue. 
maybe it won't be. Maybe it's, hey, he comes back against the Blazers on Wednesday and we got nothing to worry about, and LeBron James is LeBron James, but... Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I find it very difficult not to think about it, not to worry about it, especially the position that the Lakers are in. Okay, a couple of things I want to do when we come back. By the way, just a quick reminder here. Mike Bresnahan coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, Lakers insider for Spectrum Sportsnet. Always uh, enjoy doing shows with him. A um, couple of things I want to do here when we come back. I want to go back to the game. On Friday night, Lakers versus the Charlotte Hornets. Russell Westbrook, his individual performance and why the Lakers, when they sought out Russell Westbrook in the offseason, thought that there's going to be some version of this of Russ with LeBron and Anthony Davis, not isolated by himself. We're going to do that. Plus, should the Lakers make some type of a move with whatever assets they have left before the trade deadline or you start looking at the season and saying, no, it's not worth making a move. So we'll do all that coming up next. Say right here, this is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Uh, Mike Bresnahan coming on here in about 10 minutes or so. We'll get Mike Bresnahan to join us. Um, Okay, so I I was teasing this about Russell Westbrook on uh, Friday night, what he did, what he accomplished um, in the game against the Charlotte Hornets. It's kind of interesting, right? We we had the last three, four games. Brooklyn, everybody's there. Russ, LeBron, AD. Then you have the game uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's just Russ. It's just AD. Then you have a game where it's just Russell Westbrook. AD and LeBron are out against the, the game against the Charlotte Hornets. And before we went to break, I was you know talking about how you really cannot um, you really cannot trust. Uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to go get you W's. You can't. I mean, there, there's Lakers are five and ten without LeBron this year. I know some of those games. I'm sure AD has been out in the mix of that as well. Um, but that vision that you had in the off season, if the original vision was not only can Russell Westbrook be uh, just a, a great addition to the stars that the Lakers have already in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but let let AD and Russ have times together where they could go play basketball, that two-way game, the up-tempo, all that stuff. Um, they had a chance against the Sixers on, uh, I think that was on Thursday, Sixers beat them by 18. And then they had a chance yesterday against the Atlanta Hawks with a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Monk over 30 points. Carmelo Anthony had a good game. Lakers couldn't play a lick of defense in that fourth quarter. They gave up 38 points. And ultimately, what is that? What is that? The result of that is another L. I I, I want to kind of isolate a game for a second. Lakers had these Charlotte Hornets on Friday night. And do you know who Russell Westbrook, who there was no LeBron James, there was no Anthony Davis. You know what Russell Westbrook looked like? On uh, on Friday night, he looked like Russell Westbrook. Play 37 minutes, 12 of 23 from the field, 35 points, five assists, four rebounds. 
uh, 30 points in the second half is what Russell Westbrook had. And I, I bring that up because there were plenty of times, I mentioned this to Michael Thompson in the pregame show, I'm like, you know, Russ kind of looked like Russ. The question was never, can Russell Westbrook individually be a fantastic basketball player? He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And a lot of that is not just his resume with Kevin Durant, but his resume of when it was his team or when he was kind of driving the bus and having years, multiple years, where he averaged a triple-double. The question was never, can Russell Westbrook, what he did on Friday night, can he do that individually? That was never the question. The question has always been, can Russ do this with a couple other stars? Not those points. I mean, nobody's nobody's thinking that he's going to go drop 35 points, have 30 in the second half when LeBron and AD are in the game. No, no, no. Can he complement LeBron James? Can he complement Anthony Davis? Obviously, the Lakers organization all felt like he can. Obviously, the Lakers organization felt, no question about it, Russell Westbrook can be a piece to a championship team with LeBron James and with Anthony Davis. Um, It's clear Laker fans up to this point, okay, has not been the case. And anybody who thinks it's just on Russell Westbrook, you're kidding yourselves because, you know, Lakers, as an example, yesterday chose not to play any defense in the fourth quarter. They gave 38 points. Is that on Russ, too? Is that just Russell Westbrook's fault? I think Russ has been the scapegoat all season long. And, you know, I guess maybe comes with the territory. AD and Braun have already won together. Here comes Russell Westbrook. You're supposed to be this completely, everything's supposed to change because you come here and now all of a sudden Lakers should be competing with every other team. The Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, Memphis, doesn't matter who it is. They're supposed to be in that upper echelon of the Western Conference. Obviously has not been the case. You can look at it one of two ways. Um, I think the front office, obviously, they missed in the offseason. They thought Russ is going to fit, and I'm one of them. I thought Russ was going to fit. I thought, well, I mean, you, you don't need a triple-double from what Russell Westbrook's going to be the third-best player on this team. That's a pretty damn good third-best player. But the pieces haven't fit together, and you know, we're getting a little bit closer now to the NBA trade deadline. So the trade deadline is February 10th. So, Laker fans, I'm going to just kind of break down. Only seven games left. Make sure. Two, four, six, seven. Seven games left before the All-Star break. Only five games left before the NBA trade deadline. The trade deadline is a week from this Thursday. So, Lakers have today off. They have tomorrow off. They play Portland and the Clippers on Wednesday and Thursday. After that game with the Clippers, you're a week away from the NBA trade deadline. There was a really interesting article. Uh, Eric Pincus, who always does a fantastic job. Um, and one of the quotes I took from the piece that he had, and a lot of it was, should the Lakers make some type of a trade? What 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 pieces do they really have? That THT is a marginable asset in the league. Uh, we know that he's uh, in the first year of a three-year deal, owed $30 million. You know, there was a lot of conversation, if you remember last year, Laker fans, that the Lakers could have tried to go make a move for Kyle Lowry. Okay, it didn't happen. They obviously value THT a ton. And I think it's interesting that Pink has put in that piece. A marginable asset around the NBA. Makes sense. I mean, if I'm another team right now and I'm looking at what I could go out and get, if I'm the Pistons and I have Jeremy Grant, or if I'm the Sacramento Kings and I have Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes, is my breaking point going to be Taylor Horn Tucker? Of course it's not going to be. Of course it's not going to be. 
um, you know, THT is one of the things I, I caution. I even mentioned this during the off season. There was a lot of stock kind of coming up in the THT bank. Hey, Taylor Norton talking, you know, this guy might be a starter. Man, watch out for this guy. This dude's got all-star written all over him in the next few years. He's young. He's 21 years old. But the risk in putting that much stock on a 21-year-old where you're not a team that is rebuilding, uh, that's I think it's a it's a failed expectation. You're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And I think THT falls perfect into that category. One of the questions, and Travis and I talked a little bit about it earlier this morning, we're doing our show, was is it worth going out and trying to trade the final couple of assets that you have? THT, your pick in 2027. Um, I, from Lakers can't trade a first-round pick until 2027, So just so fans understand that. Is it worth getting rid of these final couple of assets when you can already see where your season currently is? You can already look and kind of see that, all right, um, the chances of getting out of this hole is going to be incredibly difficult. Or do you kind of take this approach, well, we've already said we're all in. We've already kind of shot some of the future here because you're trying to see if you can win one more championship in the LeBron James era, which I've been all in on this entire time. I don't think it stops with a Talon Horn Tucker or your pick in 2027. The problem is... I don't think there's there's that much value right now in THT that, you know, if you can go out and make a trade. Remember this a couple weeks ago, there was a conversation about Lakers trying to go out. It was THT and Kendrick Nunn in your 2027 pick. You go get Jeremy Grant. Well, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. The problem is the other teams don't value what you have. So the only hesitation I would have for the Lakers come the NBA trade deadline is do you have enough to go make a move that actually makes sense for this season? Or are you just doing this because you feel like we got to throw a Hail Mary, we're in the fourth quarter, there's six seconds left, and we're at our own 20-yard line. It's like you, you ain't scoring. Um, that's going to be an interesting scenario for Rob Palenka and the Lakers because if you can't trade THD for some real value that's going to help you this year, then why trade THT? Are you just going to do it just to do it? And I, I actually think I lean more towards the other end. I think the Lakers will, if they don't think they can get something that's going to help them this year, they probably hold on to THT. They probably hold on to that 2027 pick, uh, uh, you know, that first round pick. And really the conversation then might just gear towards you're going to make something happen with the players that you have or you're not going to, and this season is just going to be a bust, and you regroup in the offseason where then Russell Westbrook's on the final year of his contract. He has a player option, but he's probably going to take it because he's going to get – he'll be owed $47 million. And then you try to reshuffle the deck some way with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, and it's almost almost a similar reset that the Lakers have dealt with uh, a couple different times. So um, that's the scenario that the Lakers are in. We'll see what happens, but the trade deadline is coming up. Uh, sooner than you would think. So Lakers obviously have some options, not that many great options, but this is uh, the position that they're in. All right, coming up next, we got Mike Bresnahan. You know what will actually be interesting too? What other teams in the NBA do? Because if the Lakers don't have enough assets to go make one of those moves, are teams like the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz or even teams like the Phoenix Suns, other teams in the Western Conference think that they can improve. Even the Clippers, who are sitting at 500 right now, who have actually played some pretty damn good basketball without Paul George and without Kawhi Leonard, 
what, what, what teams are going to be the buyers, what teams are going to be the sellers. And I think that's going to be a good conversation over the next 10 days or so before we get to the actual uh, NBA trade deadline. Uh, Mike Bresnahan, Spectrum Sportsnet. He's coming up next. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Greatly appreciate, as always, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet, Mike Bresnahan, taking some time to join the show. Mike, thank you, bud. I, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and uh, I know you were at Rams game yesterday, so you're probably still all fired up. A lot of emotions uh, going on in your world. Dude, it was, it was unbelievable. And uh, i got to be honest, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan first and foremost. Uh, in fact, I was at the Super Bowl in 1980, Mm. In uh, in Pasadena, rooting for the Steelers against the Rams. So please, everybody, don't hate me. But I gotta say, really impressed yesterday, and uh, definitely rooting for the Rams, especially since the Steelers uh, are not that great these days. Well, and you know, it's funny. I was uh, this morning. I was talking about it on our show, and um, you know, there was a setup coming into yesterday. Yesterday was very unique. Lakers had a 10 a.m. tip off against the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, the final game of the Grammy trip. And Michael and yeah. I were doing the pregame show. It's at 8.30 in the morning, so all of it was very unique. But you, what you were hoping for, and by the time we got to the fourth quarter, Lakers had a 10-point lead, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know what? They can salvage this road trip by getting this win against the Hawks without LeBron. All they need is a solid 12 minutes, play some defense. You'll be 3-3, three and three, go back to a Crypto.com arena, take your chances from there. Um, I thought it was such a frustrating way to close out the road trip. And I just want to get your thoughts. What, what, what did you think of the road trip in general? I know you had, um, you know, obviously Anthony Davis wasn't there for the whole trip. LeBron misses the final three games. But, Brez, the reality is um, every game that goes off the uh, off the board, you're getting closer and closer to the season, uh, you know, less chance to kind of move up and down the standings. They went two and four in that road trip. Just your thoughts on the uh, on the trip. Yeah, Alan, great question. Um, just continuing what we've seen already from the Lakers season, just uneven is probably the best word I could come up with. Um, really is uh, a step forward and lately two steps back. Uh, you know, they look good in Brooklyn. Everything seems good. And then, uh, you know, uh, Philly happens. And uh, I thought AD played really well in that game. And then there's more injuries. This, this uh, kind of out of nowhere, LeBron knee injury. So I really feel like there's some missed opportunities. They, they still... They almost beat Charlotte, a, a very healthy Charlotte team, uh, but lose by three. That's a disappointment, but but almost expected in this type of season so far. And then Atlanta, you know, they were up comfortably 10 going into the fourth quarter and fall apart over the final 12 and, and lose by, uh, was it, I think, eight was the final margin. So they're there in a lot of these games, but they're not there as a team. And that's why you see it, you see it reflected in the standings. They're now three games under 500. Nobody would have predicted that going into February. And, uh, you know, all eyes are on LeBron's uh, medical reports. When's he coming back from his knee? Not a lot of positive momentum for the Lakers right now. How much, Brez, does that portion, you know, it's one of the 
main things I started tonight's show with was just that portion alone, right? The LeBron, this kind of came out of nowhere that after the they, they beat the Brooklyn Nets and then there's a little bit of, okay, hey, cool, this is LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russ. Maybe we could get 10, 15 games in a row with these three guys together, and then he's questionable, mm-hmm. and now he misses three games in a row. Um, we know the mileage. We know how many years he's been in the NBA, and we also know how great he's been this season, but he's also logging the fourth most minutes in the NBA. How much does this LeBron piece concern you? Um, well, you just nailed it right there. I mean, your vision is absolutely my vision, Alan. I mean, the, the numbers are high, uh, and not just points, rebounds, assists, minutes, about 37 a game. He hasn't, he hasn't seen that much time uh, in, in uniform since he left Cleveland the second time around. So he's been off the charts. He's definitely a top-five MVP candidate. Robert Ori and I went back and forth about this on the air the other day. I had LeBron at five because the team struggles, and I, I voted on these things in the past. The first thing you do when you, when you vote on who the regular season MVP is, you see who the top two, two teams are in each conference. And then you write down four names. Best player of that team, that team, that team, and that team. And that's where most lists start, with the Lakers being in ninth in the West right now. It's going to be hard to get LeBron anywhere above, like, number five. But he still needs to be in the conversation. Rob had him uh, a spot or two higher just because he's been playing as well as he has been at the, at the uh, ripe age of 37. So, yeah, his minutes are, are way high, though. Um, and I think maybe we don't know at all what the specifics of this injury is, but definitely the less time he can play going forward, I think that'll be better. Bottom line, though, you've you got to get him on that court because they obviously miss him. Mike Bresnahan, who uh, covers the Lakers, Spectrum Sportsnet, um, been a guest of the show for years, so we always appreciate his time. Brez, I, you know, I was very curious in games that LeBron doesn't play, and I know we haven't, we don't have this huge sample size, but we've seen enough games where, what is Russ? What is Anthony Davis? What are those two players able to give you if LBJ doesn't go? Um, what have you thought of those two players being able to kind of carry the load? And you know, you optimistic at all that if LeBron is out for a week, two weeks or something, and I'm just, you know, obviously speculating here, he could be back uh, against the Blazers coming up on Wednesday and then no issues moving forward. But that combination of Russ and AD, how do you feel about that combination? Do you have any type of optimism that those two can carry the load if LeBron's not there? They can carry it. You know, we, we saw some good stuff again over the last two games of the road trip, but they need help. And Malik Monk gives it, but they, I guess they need more help than that. So those two are okay by themselves. If you go a whole season with those two as your, as your uh, focal points, you could finish, you know, maybe not top four in a conference, but you'd, you'd be in the playoffs, you know. Um, the problem is, though, uh, you need more help. It, it's not like it's a uh, Clay and Steph combo that, that was winning championships together or LeBron and Kyrie that finally won one, that ever-elusive one in Cleveland uh, five, six years ago. So those two are good, but, but the key it really is for the rest of the season, Westbrook, period. And, and I know I'm not alone in saying that. This is not a breaking news, uh, red, red light flashing situation, Alan, that, that's for sure. But, you know, how he plays and if he can show that he can do, he can figure out how to work around AD and LeBron, that obviously helps because we haven't seen a ton, A, of those three together, and B, of those three working well together when they are on the court. Um, you know, I'm going to stick with that for just a second. Russ had the game against the Charlotte Hornets where 
individual performance at 30 in the second half. Lakers, like you mentioned, had a chance to win that game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they end up losing the game by three. We're in a position to potentially tie the game, go for a win. Russ goes for the three. Lakers lose that game. Is that also, you know, I, I, I spent some time earlier in the show that the Russ piece of this, we know he can do that, right? Russ has spent part of his career where he's – um, the main person on a team, and he's going to go average a triple-double, and he can have a game like that where he keeps you in it all the way to the end, and maybe you win, maybe you lose. The The piece of it's more important to see what Russ can do with LeBron and Anthony Davis than Russ by himself, what do you think is ideal? What, what is, what's an ideal situation for Russell Westbrook with the Lakers with those two players out on the floor? What does an ideal game look like? I'm, I'm curious at this point to kind of understand from your perspective what that would look like. Sure. Ideally, you want to say, oh, yeah, he makes three threes, um, but we know that's not really his game. And he, he was shooting the three pretty well in that Charlotte loss. Some people got on him for taking that last three. He just hit two in the last uh, few minutes. So uh, I don't think that's a big deal. But, but overall, He's just not a shooter. That, that's not the news. Well, um, I would also say that if, if you're looking at Russ, the perfect game for him is probably uh, making, making, you can, he has to be accurate. You know, he can't be like um, six for 17. That, that's obviously a poor game. Uh, you know, I'll give you his worst game, uh, a bad game for him. Six for 17 shooting with uh, five or six turnovers. Yep. That's what he cannot do. And it's been happening from time to time, maybe even more often than time to time. A great game for Russ is, you know, 7 for 11 shooting, 7 for 12 with two or three turnovers. Uh, anything between that is kind of the gray area. Maybe the Lakers win, maybe the Lakers lose. But uh, I think that's kind of the, the hot and the cold, the high and the low, if you will, for, for Russ and, and what does work for him and it looks good on paper and what doesn't. Because, you know, fans, I think everyone realizes, if you watch them game in and game out, uh, game out excuse me, night in and night out, you realize – He's not much of a shooter. When one of his teams had come to Staples back in the day, uh, you know, you see him once a year, and you're like, whoa, this guy's pretty special. Okay. But these are the same things we're picking up on, like I said, game in and game out. I kind of like that, Brett, to explain it that way, that um, let me tell you what Russ can't do. And I think you're right about that. Because if he's going to have a night where he goes 7 for 11 – I'm assuming a lot of those buckets are around the basket. I'm assuming it's him attacking. And if he's going to have a game where he has one or two turnovers, the hope is that, you know, obviously he's making good decisions. He's, um, he's not trying to go on a fast break. It's one on three. It's just, you know, just winning basketball, whatever that is. But that's a good way to put it. I got one more for you, Brez. And, again, we appreciate the time. NBA trade deadline February 10th. Um, how how active do you think the Lakers would be in this predicament? And also, how much value do you think there is for a guy like Taylor Horn Tucker that is incredibly young but also hasn't been um, a player that's jumped out on a consistent basis this year? Yeah, Alan, you know, most teams, if you look at payrolls throughout the 30 NBA teams, they have a couple guys making between 10 and $20 million, maybe even um, three or four of those guys. And they'll have a guy making 30 or $40 million, maybe three of those guys like the Lakers do and then have a few minimum contracts. The Lakers are the most imbalanced team that I could find in the league right now. You have three guys making in the 40s, 40 millions, uh, and you have one guy in the 10 to million dollar range. That's Taylor Horton Tucker. And then a ton of people, pretty much the rest of the healthy lineup right now, making veterans minimum contracts for about two, two and a half million. The problem there is in the NBA, you cannot 
it's not baseball. You cannot salary dump. You can't trade a $40 million guy for a $3 million guy. You have to come close to the salaries you send out. So if you want to get to a, a 20, let's say a Harrison Barnes makes $22 million. If you want him, you've got to get up to like 16 or $17 million in outgoing salaries. Jalen hmm. Horton Tucker, he makes about 10 but But then what? You, know, you can throw maybe um, Kendrick Nunn on there for about $5 million. But then you got to throw in a, a, another guy or two, and they just don't have a ton of, of guys to, to put out there as like, as like trade markers, making that 10 to 20 million to make deals work. And also, they don't have a lot of first rounders. Their first rounder that they can trade uh, at any time in the next five years is the 2027 pick. So, what I'm trying to say not a lot of tangible assets, not a lot of first round picks in, in their library. Uh, I don't see anything big happening. And Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm sure he'd be the first to say it's been a disappointing season for him. Hmm. But he's been in and out of the starting lineup. Um, we did a graphic on him the other day. He's missed a lot of shots around the, the restricted area and, and the paint, stuff that he normally does take uh, and make. So he needs to kind of – I think he'll get that part of his game back. But the part of the game that's struggling for him, a three-point touch. It's, uh, it's just not going right now. Only 21. Got two more years on his contract after this at a very equitable, roughly $10 million a year. Uh, I think a team would, would be interested in him, but the Lakers just can't get that much back. Certainly you cannot get a 30 or $40 million uh, player back in a package involving THT. Brez, fantastic stuff, buddy. I, I appreciate the time. Uh, always enjoy getting your insight on uh, the Lakers, so thank you for doing this, okay? All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. Go Rams. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. That's uh, Mike Bresnahan right there. Uh, interesting stuff. I, I think – you know, the, the Russ's perfect game, that stands out to me. I, I find that fascinating where forget uh, what forget less of what he can do, more of what you don't want to see him do in a game. And then, you know, obviously the puzzle pieces that the Lakers are going to try to figure things out here with the NBA trade deadline. Uh, all right, we got our final thoughts coming up next. I want to talk about the Lakers' upcoming schedule. Uh, if, the, if the playoffs started today, what would be the path for the Lakers – uh, doesn't look pretty, plus a couple top NBA stories I want to get into as well. Lakers Talk, 710 ESPN. A right, quick thank you to Mike Bresnahan taking some time to join the show. Uh, Lakers Talk is presented by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons. Off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change, thank you to Valvoline for being a partner of the show. Um, okay, want to give some final thoughts here. I, I want to got a couple NBA stories I want to get into. I want to look at where the Lakers are in the standings, the upcoming schedule before the All Star break. Lakers gonna gonna face the Clippers on Thursday. That that all of a sudden becomes a, a more interesting matchup. Um, let let's start where let's start first with the schedule coming up for the Lakers. So this is what they got coming up. Um, it doesn't actually look that bad. I mean, if you really think about it. So seven more games before you get to the All-Star break. And first game's on Wednesday against the Blazers. Blazers, uh, you know, you can call it a free fall. I don't know what you want to call it, but they're 21 and 29. I have no idea, idea where this franchise is going. Of course, we all know um, uh, Damian Lillard out um, with his injury, and, and the Blazers just seem like a team that should be resetting everything, and they haven't done that yet. We'll see what happens by the time the season's over, the trade deadline's over. Hell, maybe even the summer they decide to ship some of these guys and start rebuilding, but the game on Wednesday, uh, you expect the Lakers to win that game. I know that sounds kind of ironic because we've expected the Lakers to win a lot of games. That hasn't happened. Expect to beat the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday. 
Thursday you play the Clippers. Let me say something about the Clippers here real quick. They are 26-26 and 26 on the season. And they have played plenty of games without their main guys. They've played plenty of games. Kawhi hasn't played all, all year. Um, they have rallied back, whether it was against the Denver Nuggets, the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they've come back against teams, uh, down, the Washington Wizards, where they were down 35. The team actually shows grit. They show um, you know, toughness that you're going to go have to beat them. It's not going to be them losing to you. Um, and I just point out that game because as we take a look at the NBA standings for the Lakers, Clippers are in seventh place. If the play in, if the playoffs started today, if the season ended today, I don't know if everyone really understands the path that the Lakers would have to have or have to go through just to get into the postseason. The path that they'd have to go through is they'd play a game at Crypto.com Arena against the Portland Trailblazers that if you lost that game, you're out. Your season's over because they're in the ninth place right now in the West. Let's say you won that game. Then you would play the loser of the Clippers or the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you'd have to win that game to then face uh, the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs. So the path that the Lakers have, you know, I know going up against the Clippers and the Blazers, it might not seem like a big deal, but these are actually the teams that you're in front of or behind in the NBA standings where everyone's kind of jockeying for 7th to 10th. So they have the Portland Trailblazers, the Clippers, and then the Knicks coming in uh, at Staples or on, at Crypto.com Arena on Saturday. The next three games for the Lakers, all winnable games, but also the next three games for the Lakers, we've seen them lose games like this. I think the toughest one is going to be the Clippers game. It's going to be a Clipper home game. And like I said, a lot of this just may really depend on who's healthy and who's not healthy. Is LeBron James back? Is he not help? If LeBron's not around, then they could lose any game. If LeBron is there, you're going to expect to do some damage here. And when you're three games below 500, i I've talked about this, that there's no margin for error. They have seven games left before the All-Star break. So if they are going to be at 500, they're going to have to go 5-2 and two in these final seven games. Milwaukee's going to be part of that. Golden State's going to be a part of that. Utah's going to be a part of that. And then one more road game against the Portland Trailblazers. So they get some home cooking here. Uh, but at the same time, actually the game against the Warriors is going to be on the road. Uh, but at the same time, um, like I said, if you're going to be above 500, you got to go at 500 or above. You have to be 5-2 and two over these final seven games, and the Lakers really haven't gave much indication that they're going to be 5-2 and two, or they're going to be um, you know, somewhere along those lines. Okay, so that's the Lakers in the, uh, in the standings, and then the upcoming schedule between now and the All-Star break, it gives you an idea. I think this week, no question about it, the toughest game they're going to have is against the Clippers. Uh, that game is going to be on Thursday. So a couple NBA stories that I want to get into. NBA, as they always do, they do their power rankings. I've talked about this before. We just kind of go through all the different lineups and uh, where ESPN ends up putting the Lakers. So th- this is where they got the Lakers right now. Top five teams in the NBA, not a real surprise or a shock here. Phoenix, they're the number one team in the power rankings. And, and it, you look at the standings. they got the best record in the NBA. They're the only team that has a four in front of their wins. They're 40-9, and nine, and they've won... I think 10 games in a row now. They had a streak earlier this year. It was like 16, 17, whatever it was. And here they are with another winning streak 
there's no question about it that this is the number one team in the NBA right now. They got the Warriors at number two. Um, you know, it, it's interesting with the Warriors because they're missing key players. Draymond Green dealing with that issue in his back. Uh, Steph has been really, really in a bad shooting slump. Um, I think only around 30% from three in the month of January. So the Warriors, even with all that, they're still 37-13. and 13. They're still a team that's going to be so dangerous once Clay continues to get his legs under him, and then eventually Draymond comes back and Wiseman comes back. They got the Warriors at number two. How about the Memphis Grizzlies? Grizzlies are not only three in the power rankings. Grizzlies have a four-game cushion on anybody behind them. So Utah used to be neck and neck with them. Utah is dropped back. They're 30 and 21. Denver's 28 and 21. Dallas is 29 and 22. So kind of crazy. Memphis Grizzlies are solidifying themselves as the number three team in the Western Conference. They're 35 and 17. And then just to round out the top five, Miami is number four. Philly is sitting at the number five spot uh, in the ESPN power rankings. Okay, where are the Lakers? Not top five, not top 10, not top 15. Laker fans, this is the furthest I've seen the Lakers in this ranking. They're sitting at number 19, 19th in the NBA. Uh, Last week, I want to say they were 16th. The week before that, they were 15th. They're obviously three games below 500. Um, But it's a lot of this has to do with, you know, the AD piece, the LeBron James piece, who's going to be healthy. I heard AD yesterday saying in the postgame show, he's not 100% healthy from that MCL spin, that he feels good. But he's that not a hundred percent healthy from that MCL sprain. So the health for the Lakers obviously has a lot to do with it, and uh, that's where ESPN has a power rank because they have him at nineteenth. I thought this was interesting as well. Another NBA story that I want to get into real quick. Uh, Joel Embiid is now the betting favorite to win MVP. So the conversation here's a reality with LeBron James: your squad's got to be better if you have a legitimate chance, and you can't be two, three games below 500 or playing at 500 so as much as I've tried to make a case well LeBron should just be in the conversation uh, they do have Embiid as the top favorite right now to win MVP according to Caesar Sportsbook his last 16 games he's averaging 34 points and 10 rebounds uh, after that they got Steph then they got Giannis then they got Jokic and then they got Ja Morant rounding up your top five. So that's the uh, the MVP MVP race right now. So if you're looking at just individual players, that's where uh, that's where that stands right there. Um, okay, go back to the Lakers here. Give our final thoughts. By the way, I always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. If you miss any part of the show, you can always go to the ESPN app or on iTunes. Uh, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa, and you can catch the full hour every weekly show that we do. It's got its own channel. We've had that channel, obviously, for years now. Um, I, I spent some time on the upcoming schedule for the Lakers, and th- this is the only thing I'm going to say, Laker fans, as we uh, as we go into the latter part of the beginning of February, but the final few games here before we get to the uh, All-Star break. Keep an eye on if LeBron is back, and keep an eye if LeBron looks okay, if he looks healthy. Um, I don't think the Lakers are going to, you know, obviously push him. It's not like we're in the playoffs or anything along those lines. But keep an eye what happens over the next week with LeBron James. Is he going to miss more time? If he doesn't miss time and he comes back in, uh, how does he look in the process? Is he still the LBJ that we've watched all season long, or uh, does he look? Does it look a little bit different? Because I think that for me, um, 
especially in these final seven games. If LeBron needs rest, they're going to obviously give it to him. But what's that going to mean for the Lakers in the standings? Because every game that LBJ doesn't play, there's as strong of a risk that the Lakers lose that game, certainly more of a risk that they lose the game than actually win the game. Another thing to keep an eye on between now and the All-Star break. If LeBron is there, how do the Lakers look against some of these good teams? I know this week we're not going to get that much of a test because it's Portland, the Clippers, and the Knicks. These are all teams that either in the playing tournament or in the lottery. Um, That's just kind of the reality of these three games coming up. Uh, But next week, Milwaukee, Golden State, and then, you know, the only other game after that is the Jazz. And I know Utah looks like a team that's reeling, but the reality is they've lost five games in a row. Joe Ingles is out. They had uh, an ugly injury yesterday. Um, the, The Utah Jazz... It's one of those teams that when they're healthy, they'll be in the mix. And anytime you know you Lakers already beat the Jazz, what was that a couple weeks ago? Or so that's always going to be a, a tough game or a tough challenge. So uh, you got to go five and two in these final seven games if you're just going to be a 500 team by the time we get to the All Star break. We'll have a much clearer picture by the time this week is over. Uh, appreciate everybody being a part of the show. I'm back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll talk more Lakers basketball. And I don't have another pregame show coming up until Wednesday. Lakers taking on the uh, Blazers at Crypto.com Arena. Pregame show will start at 6. Tip-off will be at 7.30. So thank you, Lakers fans, for being a part of the show. Thank you to Mike Bresnahan, Michael Funches, Laura Romo, everybody that helped behind the scenes. Uh, Have a great rest of your night, L.A.